0: Welcome to The Next Mile. Today's episode... I'm sick and tired of living in a van down by the river! Every time you get behind the wheel, do you know where you're going? Most of us do. From A to B, that's why we drive, to get places. We're doing so much in our day-to-day lives. We're always trying to get to the next destination to start the next task. And getting there, getting to wherever you need to be to do whatever that needs to be done, needs to happen as efficiently as possible. That's what driving is for. It gets us places, but for some, driving somewhere without a destination in mind is the point. Driving just to drive isn't a new idea. People do it more than you think. There's a huge world out there and driving is still the most popular way to
1: explore it. Uh, Yeah, I still have to explain it to people, but if I just say van life, people get it. Van life, it's something we've seen before,
0: But in the age of social media and influencers, it's been reborn. There's a community, a subculture of people living in their vans, charting a new course for themselves. David Clapper, co-founder and CEO of Scamper Van, knows a thing or two about the wonders of exploring the open road in a van. David, can you tell me what the origin of Scamper Van was for you? How did you guys, how did you start this?
1: Uh, so, Scamper Band uh, kind of became something out of necessity, really, for me. I was a career music guy. I spent 22 years in the music business. I had lost a job that I'd worked here in Atlanta for about 13 years. Took a couple of jobs after that and uh, found myself kind of trying to figure out how I'm going to re-identify, reinvent myself, trying to figure out what was the next step for me. Now, Rewind about three or four years previous to that, my son and I had a father-son trip out west. We spent a couple of days in San Francisco. Then my girlfriend at the time flew out. We picked her up in a camper van that I rented um, from San Francisco. actually picked it up in Oakland. And we went and did um, Muir Woods, Yosemite, Big Sur, and just camped. It's a fantastic experience. Probably one of my best, one of my best vacations in my life. Not just once with my child, and he was like nine, so it was awesome. Anyway, go back to time where I'm kind of at a crossroads professionally. I, I'm trying to figure out what the next step for me is, and I, I've taken some time off, and I have some friends that do a yearly pilgrimage out to the Outer Banks for a surf trip. And Kind of tell them, hey, I'm going to rent a camper van and throw my surfboard on the top and I'll meet you out there. I I want to do this. This is going to be cool. Well, I started doing some research in the area to rent a camper van, something like I had had experienced out west, and there was nothing. And uh, again, trying to figure out what's... Nothing. Not a a single company doing it anywhere east of the Mississippi. Not one company. And now there's, at the time, probably three or four out west... Again, this is about four years ago, and uh, I was just like, hmm, you know, maybe this is my opportunity. Maybe this is what's kind of talking to me. I told my fiance, I'm like, I think this is something I would like to pursue. So I started doing some research, and then at that point, I just, I said, I'm going to go for it, and it was really as simple as that. I didn't want to do it alone. I pulled in a buddy to help me out, kind of in the in the beginning stages, and he's still a partner of the, of the company. And just kind of went
0: for it. At the time, David was a little bit ahead of the curve of the van life movement. The picturesque world of camper vans, waterfalls, and youthful millennials wasn't nearly as trendy as it is now. It's so hard to sort of predict what catches these winds of like success and becoming viral and trendy. What do you, what do you think contributed to sort of van life taken up this way?
1: Well, I think a lot has to do with generation. You know, everything is secular. And uh, when you think about where van life kind of started, you know, in the sixties and the hippie movement and people living in their VW camper vans, kind of where it started. Um, 70s and 80s, it kind of got hokey because people started building their vans with water beds and, you know, and plush walls and all that stuff. But I think it just kind of came around to a generation that is looking for something a little bit deeper more about experience, experiential life than just having stuff. So as the van life thing kind of started in Australia and New Zealand, at least this run it started to spread because people were taking these amazing photos. I mean, Instagram is key. I probably, I'm sure to the success of van life because people are taking photos of them living out of a van parked next to a waterfall or, you know, the Grand Canyon or whatever. And like, I want to, I want to live like that. Or at least I just want to experience it for a while. To to answer the question, I I think generational has been huge to the the growth of the van life movement. Because you think about it, RVing has always been, yeah, when I retire, or, you know, older people who buy a big RV and they go to the national parks or whatever. Now it's young people who are like, I just want some freedom and I want to experience more than I want stuff. And that's where it's kind of taken off.
0: What do you think's going through the head of this generation that's that spurred that? I mean, that movement for like authentic first and walking away from a job, do you, you You know, I agree that technology has played a role in that, whether it's Instagram or being able to work remotely. But what else do you think just from a feeling
1: standpoint has inspired this movement? Well, I've had to really kind of remove myself from my generation because I'm Generation X and really try to understand what the millennial generation is all about. Luckily, I've been in marketing for a long time, so I've kind of got some knowledge. But I think one of the key things is a lot of millennials have seen their parents work really, really hard for a company or a corporation and get laid off or lose their job or whatever. And it's disheartening when you spend your whole life doing something. I mean, for me, I spent 13 years at a corporation here in Atlanta. And one day I was just no longer employed there. It wasn't from performance. It was just, well, it's just how it goes. So I think for the younger generations, like, man, this life is very valuable. We have one to live. We should be doing something we really enjoy. So, you, you know, you got a bunch of people like, well, I like taking pictures. I wonder if I can make a living doing this. And sure enough, you can because you can work remotely. And if you're living in a van, you can take some pretty amazing photos all over the place. And then you become an influencer and there's more money involved or you're a graphic designer. or any, A lot of these things that allow you to be creative remotely, I mean, you can do it without sitting on, you know, the 10th floor of a building in downtown Atlanta, you know, and I think that's what's really, really exciting for a lot of people.
0: How does that set of wheels sort of enable you to go to further distances or more obscure places
1: and how much of a role do you think that plays? Well, I think it's a big deal. I mean, you think of forever, we've kind of been taught the the freedom of the open road. When I was a kid, you know, going on a road trip was pretty freeing. The fact that you don't have to necessarily make a reservation at a hotel and be stuck in a place that you may not be happy. The fact that you can roll up to your hotel in the middle of the woods, on the next to a beach, 10 feet from a waterfall. That freedom I think is given to you by being in a car or or a vehicle in a van. You know, the opportunity to not be held back to or from or with you know schedules or I got a check-in time I got a check-out time it's kind of like just kind of floating, see where I want to go next and there's just something so incredibly freeing about that kind of travel.
0: That always I feel like has been part of like sort of the idyllic image of American summers too you know like from Yogi Bear and people going out to Jellystone Park in the cartoons to traveling to the national parks but do you think there's something about this experience that
1: is uniquely American, even though this is a worldwide sort of phenomenon? I don't think it's uniquely American. I think there's the American road trip is unique to, okay, it's summertime, kids are out of school, you know, let's go do something that that will make an impact on our children. Because as parents, you want to offer up an opportunity for your children to have an experience that is something that will last for them. And it's real easy to go, well, I'm going to fly here. I'm going to do this or whatever. There's something about being in a car on the road with your family and just kind of going out and experiencing it, stopping for an ice cream on the side of the road or chasing out the spiders of your tent in the middle of the night or whatever. I don't think it's it's just American. I mean, I think that we have such a vast and beautiful countryside. I think one of the reasons why it's become, at least camper van travel has become very successful in Europe is because you can drive through three countries in a day. It, you're lucky to get through three states in a day in the United States, if by chance you're anywhere out West. I mean, Texas takes you three days just to get through. You know? For sure. you know, I think because now it is becoming a little bit more uh, attainable, that it's not just slammed into the eight weeks that we get for summer. Ideally, that's when people can take the time off. But I think now, you're, you know, you're starting to see people who are doing it outside of that. I mean, I'm starting to see so many people that are now taking their education of their children into their own hands and going, I'm going to homeschool and we're going to just travel and we're going to see the world, we're going to see the countryside and teach their kids at their own you know, speed or whatever, and just doing things a little bit kind of, back to, kind of back to the beginning, I guess. Of course,
0: people can travel and explore without this added element of driving camper vans. But David thinks driving adds to the experience.
1: Well, I mean, it's an obvious difference between, you know, something like, you know, a plane or, or a bus, I suppose. It's a traveling hotel room or your, your your bedroom on wheels. Just kind of the freedom of not having to worry about catching a flight, going through security, you know, all the things that come along with that. Uh, how different is it from your typical suburban van experience obviously there's not typically a bed and a kitchen in those so you know that's your vehicle to get you from point a to point b and then you still have to kind of determine okay where are we staying you know we're going to find a hotel here or whatever what what this and what makes it uniquely different um than those forms of travel is like you don't have to worry about all that other stuff it's all there you know you've got your bed you've got your kitchen you've got the ability to kind of Play it by ear. I am not a planner when it comes to vacation. I am a wing it guy. I just always have been. That trip I was telling you about that influenced this whole business, I went to Yosemite National Park in June without a stinking reservation. It's not something you should do if you're going to Yosemite National Park. Now, somehow it worked. And somehow we found places to camp There was one point, we were in Point Reyes National Seashore and we're around, it's north of San Francisco, Marin Woods. And I'm like, I gotta find a campground and everything sold out. And I'm like, this is why people plan, you know? And I'm kind of stressing out a little bit. So I went into a local coffee shop and I'm like, any idea where I can just park for the night? And this guy's like, well, go into the National Seashore. There should be something in there. So we go all the way through Point Reyes National Seashore and we end up on this desolate beach, little parking area a bathroom, nobody there. We cook outside the back of the van, we dig a hole, we have a campfire, beachside. It's your typical Northern California kind of foggy night, and it's just magical. And there's nobody around. We sleep in the van. Now, next morning, some there's a knock on the door, and it's the park ranger going, Hey, you can't sleep here. And I'm like, 7:30. And I'm like, it's cool, I'm done. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's time to get up anyway. All wrapped up here. Yeah. So um So, you know, that kind of experience you just don't have when you plan. And that's partially why I don't plan. And it's so much easier to wing it in a vehicle like this because you just park it. And, you know, you could park it in Point Reyes National Seashore. You could park it in a Walmart parking lot. You could park it on some service road in the middle of the woods somewhere and just kind of have your place to stay. So I think that's part of the magic in it.
0: That's true. I, I hadn't really considered that, but like planes go from point to point. Trains have to live
1: along a track. This sort of lets you go wherever the you can. I don't know about you, but when when I'm driving and I don't have anywhere to be, I love just turning off roads. I have no idea where they go and just see where they go. Because it's oftentimes those moments that you'll find things that you never expected you'd find. If you're on a schedule... Typically, what you see is what you can see on that schedule. You know, if I say I'm driving to Chicago and I got to be there Thursday at 8 a.m., well, I'm probably going to get the quick, you know, I'm going to get there as quick as I can. I'm going to take the highway. Oh, nice. I drove cross country. But if I'm like, I got to go to Chicago and I've got some time, I can get there by Saturday. Well, now I've got the opportunity to take a right instead of taking a left or, you know, just stopping oh, that looks interesting, stopping and just going, hey, what's what's over here? I find myself oftentimes on roads that I'm like, not sure that was a good turn, but, <laughs> but you know, I'll still sometimes end up with an experience like I wouldn't have had if I wouldn't have just taken the extra time to take a right. My fiance always says, you got to stop at the apple stand every once in a while. So many times we'll vacation with the family and they'll, we'll pass an apple stand. And I'm like, can't, I've got somewhere to be. You know, we've got a schedule, but it's nice when you can just stop at the apple stand and get some cider, or, you know, grab some apples and just kind of stop and breathe and hang out for a minute.
0: It's like a perfect metaphor for life, like all of that. I mean, whether it's stopping
1: at the apple stand or going down a road not knowing what you'll find there. Well, you know, people have talked about it for years and years, stop and smell the roses. How many people in our busy lifestyle actually take the time to stop and smell the roses? In this kind of travel, you have the time up to you to build that time you know it's not some magic thing you get in the van and suddenly you have all this extra time but it gives you the ability to plan accordingly to go you know what i am going to be deliberate about this three days that i have and i'm going to smell the roses i'm going to stop at an apple stand you know whatever
0: the rest of the transportation industry is like efficient get here get there here and this is like get somewhere
1: yeah somewhere take your time and now A tale of time travel to terrible transportation troubles.
0: While researching for this episode, we came across a timeline from our friends at the San Francisco Chronicle. It outlined the many iterations of van life over the last 140 years. Here are a few of the highlights, or should I say lowlights. Van life started in 1880 as Englishman William Gordon Stables, a wealthy surgeon, hired the Bristol Wagon Works Company to make him a bizarre two-ton horse-drawn van called the Land Yacht. At a blazing two miles an hour, he still took that bad boy on a 1,300-mile trip. Maybe he was the original millennial. In his own memoir, he introduced the term van dweller. It wasn't until 35 years later that Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, and Tire King Harvey Firestone started their annual auto camping trips. These lasted for over nine years. Minimalism wasn't quite what they were going for as they traveled in chauffeured Fords with dozens of support vehicles, kitchen cars, and military tents. From farmers to presidents, the business magnates knew how to make a buzz. They were photographed and feted along the way as they began to introduce the American public to their lifelong love of the automobile. The next iteration of van life wasn't until a fateful rainy weekend in Woodstock when it re-emerged in the American lexicon in a real way. It was finally the first time that van life was democratized. It wasn't just for the ultra-rich anymore. From those pesky kids on Scooby-Doo to the entire hippie subculture, the flower power Volkswagen buses introduced a new generation to a more connected way of life. Shag carpet, full-size mattresses, and the distinct odor of the 70s defined the back of these vans. Despite the existence of over-the-top RVs, it wasn't until the Sprinter van's first appearance in the US that hashtag van life started a serious uptick. Two decades later, we sit at 5.6 million van life Instagram posts. Thanks for listening to The Next Mile by Beam Imagination, a creative studio that rethinks the means and methods of storytelling. If you enjoy our podcast, give us a boost. Head to our blog, Instagram, or Facebook this week, right now if you can, and vote for us to host a podcast live from South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Our guest will be none other than the esteemed commissioner at the Department of City Planning for Atlanta, Tim Keen. We'll talk about how one of the country's fastest growing cities is adapting to the future of transportation. We need your vote, so please head to beamimagination.com forward slash S-X-S-W to read more about Tim and help send us to Austin. Now back to the show. In this digital age taking time for the sake of taking time can be easily overlooked. So where does that leave something like van life? Can van life even exist in a world with the next generation of cars? It's funny because I, I really believe that like as more and more cars are coming on the roads, we're going to see them become more electrified. We're going to see them start slowly becoming autonomous. Have you thought about what van life looks like when you're in a driverless van is it better is it even is it worse is it
1: awful like what is it i think it could be worse i think that part of the the enthusiasm of a road trip is being behind the wheel um i love driving there are people that hate it so i suppose it might be really cool because you could be in the back doing whatever you want and the car is driving itself but i think part of the cool thing is driving down the road and going oh did you see that let's go back and check that out you know In regards to electric, man, I love that idea. If all our scamper vans could be electric or hybrid of some sort, I mean, we're all about maintaining what we want to go and discover, and that's this earth. And if that means electric or if that means at least hybrid, so we're not putting in those emissions out into the atmosphere, I mean, I am all for it. Volkswagen just recently announced that they're bringing back the bus, and it's an electric bus. Now, bus is different than a camper, but I assure you, that people will get their hands on these buses and convert them into campers. And they will be electric campers. It'll start in Europe, as it typically does for this type of thing. And then they'll come here. And then, man, I would love to have a fleet of, you know, some kind of electric vehicle. That might be a little tougher when you talk about charging out in the wilderness, you know, being off the grid. But the idea that that's coming, I love it. It's really
0: cool to hear that sort of mission driven side of this because transportation, especially, has always seemed like you're polluting the earth. I was reading a tiny home blog that was talking about, you know, decreasing carbon footprint and everything. And vans, living out of your van is actually one of the most uh, eco friendly ways to live. Yeah. And it's r- interesting that that duality exists between a car but then you're also decreasing your footprint on Earth, people wouldn't necessarily put the two together.
1: Well, and the thing for our vans too is our vans are, one of the primary differences between a camper van or our camper vans and an RV is like we don't run a generator. We don't need electrical power at a campground. Everything is self-contained, mostly with rechargeable batteries, solar batteries, whatever. Our water is just five-gallon water. We don't need to be hooked up to something. You know, it's you don't need... To some people's disappointment, there's not an AC unit per se in there because that comes with energy needs. And, you know, if you're in the middle of the woods and you're cranking up a generator, you're missing the sounds of being out in the woods. So we often have people say, do you have an AC? And we're like, no. And they're like, "Okay, it's not for me. And we don't try to be everything to everyone. We're like, totally understand. But for those who want that real natural experience out in the woods where there's not that noise, screens are open and the doors are open and you're feeling the heat, the cold, cool weather or whatever in the actual place that you're at. I mean, that's kind of our experience.
0: It's all about this minimalism.
1: Yeah. You you know, people talk a lot nowadays about just kind of getting rid of all the excess, not only because it turns into junk, you know, filling up our landfills with all this excess stuff, you know, So we're trying to kind of all, I think a lot of people are trying to go, do we need all of this stuff? And what a lot of people who are living the van life full time, they're realizing, I don't need 25 shirts. I don't need eight pairs of shoes. I don't need, you know, all this stuff. And uh, it is allowing people to simplify their lives and get more connected with the things that matter most in a daily life. And that's just your connection with the people you care about and the people with the earth that you live on. Again, sounds really hippie, but uh, I think it's important to stay connected to that.
0: I can speak to that. Just the other week, my dad, my four-year-old son, and I hit the road in van number five. The experience was rich. It brought us together without the trappings of packing too much or even much of an itinerary. We stocked the cooler full of food and took to the open roads. No hotels, no lines, no plans, no being late our van served as a base camp for four days of pure adventure. Long hikes, making s'mores over a campfire, racing tiny handmade rafts down the river, meeting our campsite neighbors, kicking around a ball. And all the while, we were just steps away from our reliable, cozy interior. Inside, two swiveling captain's chairs, bunk beds, and a countertop with sink served as our home. While the van would have kept our plans safe from bad weather, We didn't end up having a drop of rain my son and i slept in the pop-top tent on the roof and besides him asking to pee off the roof a few times it was a terrific tiny little fortress we bonded we connected and it's not until you walk away from everything that you start to learn you really don't need much of anything to find happiness
1: you know the vehicle just gets you there They'll again ask, is there an AC? Is there an indoor toilet? Is there, you know, are the, all these amenities there? I'm like, just think of like, this as is the vehicle to get you to the place where you shut it off and live, you know, where you're at at that moment. You know, it's a great place to sleep at night, but it's more importantly, what you get to do in the daytime that you wouldn't normally do because you're not taking the time to get there. You know, a lot of times when people vacation at hotels, they drive all day and they get to the hotel and then they wake up and maybe they'll make a stop along the way and then they'll drive to the hotel and they'll get up so it's kind of like no we just get you to the place where you can just do whatever you want at that particular point so you know it's it's exciting to see the growth of the business millennials are driving rv and camper van travel yeah. and i think a lot of it is because as we said earlier is you know the ability to kind of experience something a little bit different as opposed to just what we've always kind of been used to in the past From the time you started
0: this and there was nothing east of the Mississippi, I read there's over 200 companies now
1: in America that are dedicated to van customization. Yeah, they're building them like crazy. And they're not just building them because of rental. So the rental business is growing, sure. There's a company that I do have competition that is a national brand company that has come into the market since I've been here. The good thing is we're you know, we're local. So there's a lot, there's more touch points for us. And people often come to us going, Hey, there's better communication here. We like your vehicles, but whatever. But the customization thing is growing tenfold because people want to build their own. And maybe it's not because they want to live in it full time, but it's like, gosh, you know, when I am ready to go hit the road for a week or two, I can do it in this, you know, the carbon footprint's easier. It's easier to park. You don't have to be. You know, it's interesting. You go into these campground, campgrounds, and campsites, or whatever, and you see these massive RVs that have the pull throughs, and you know, this these things. You just pull up to a tent site, and just you know, you don't need a seventy dollar a night cement pad to park your RV on. You just open the door. Open the door. Yeah. But yeah, customization is a is a big deal because so many people are wanting to build their own. And what's great for the rental side is millennials, because the people who are building and buying are still Gen X and baby boomers because they have, they have the disposable income. Millennials don't want to own stuff. Yeah. You know, they typically don't. I mean, there are companies now you can rent furniture, you can rent bikes by the month and have all the stuff that at any point you can go, okay, I'm done with this and return it. So I think that's driving a lot of the rental business too is because, you know, I just want to have this experience for a week or two or a weekend or whatever and then not have to worry about where to park it, insurance, maintenance, all that stuff. I just want to go have this experience for a few days, a few weeks, whatever, go to a concert and not sleep on the ground, you know, those types of things. So I still think that the customization is being driven by an older demo and then the younger kids are like, But it's interesting because I got families that are renting all the time, too, so they don't want to necessarily make the full commitment of buying something.
0: It it is interesting what you're saying. I mean, the millennial generation really wants to choose their vehicle based on what they're
1: doing. So it's like, I'm going a mile. I want a scooter. I want to go away for a month. I want a camper van. Yeah, totally. And they don't want to get in an RV. I mean, that's the last thing they want to do. It doesn't even look cool in Instagram photos. It looks terrible. (laughs) Who designs the exterior of
0: those RVs with like those swashbuckling like scrapes? That's not a good
1: look. It's not. And it's still going strong. I mean, you drive up and down the interstate and you see these RV um, dealers on the side of the road. And you see these massive machines, like thousands and thousands of them off, you know, 25 acres on the side of the road. You're like, what in the world? Those things are huge they're beautiful i mean hey if that's what you dig then dig it man but like that's just massive like what's different than just living in your house other than you can move it i suppose but you know it's not for me
0: yeah like eight generators out back you have the oven out front cooking like there's 40 bug zappers the tv oh yeah
1: Yeah. people sitting around i I i often see it because i you know i do travel a lot in the vans and because it's the perk of the job but, you know, I'll roll into places with my little van and I'll sit there with, you know, around the campfire and the people next to me will all be sitting around watching something on Netflix. And I'm like, You're, you might as well be home. Yeah. I mean, really? I mean, it's nice. People want their comforts of home. For me, it's an escape. So I don't want any of that stuff. Someone should do a side-by-side RV life versus
0: van life. Oh, totally. Uh, that'd be pretty funny to see.
1: One of our original vans is a small, it's real small. It's not the size of the Sprinter or the Promaster. It's a Nissan NV, which is a small work truck, smaller than most, most minivans. And I went and I was driving cross country and uh, I, the only place I could find at that particular time was an RV park. And it was the cement pad RV parks. And I was next to, I'd say probably about a 90 footer. I mean, this thing was massive. And I have a picture of comparison of just this little tiny little thing with the pop top. Next to this 90-foot bus that sure was super comfortable, probably more comfortable than what I had, but still excessive. Yeah, <laughs> the excessive. exact opposite of what you guys are doing. Totally. We want to simplify it.
0: As new forms of transportation continue to evolve, I hope we never lose what Scampervan offers, a way to peacefully drive into the unknown, unexpected corners of life. Other forms of travel will keep getting faster, easier to use, and more efficient. To let us connect in a more global way. Thanks to Scamper Van, I know we'll always have a way to find ourselves by first getting lost and stopping to smell the roses. Thanks for joining us on The Next Mile. Tune in again next time as we see where this road takes us.